Radha Ryan, how are you? Hope you are okay. This is me addressing my younger self. Personally, I, I am picturing myself in that boring chemistry class that I didn't want to attend, but I had to because I had no other option. Filled with a lot of emotions because I was constantly bullied and not in a position of being able to speak to my parents about it, but I overcame. In high school, we went through so much together. That's where we found our deep love for God. I used to distract myself with vlogs on YouTube and just giving myself words of affirmation that one day I am gonna make it. And we are here, we are sitting at 100,000 followers on TikTok and I could not be more proud of you. I am so, so, so proud of how you handled things back then. I am super, super happy of how ambitious you are and you still are. I am so proud that you never gave up. All the dreams that we wrote seemed like impossible milestones, but we are ticking them off the charts one by one. Patricia. Hi. How are you? Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm trying to think of the first time we met. Actually, to ta- even take you back a lot further, I think the first time I heard of Patricia was Tasca Project fame. Mm-hmm. And I remember this was back then when my, my mom had a restaurant and Every Sunday, yeah. I used to go and sit there in front of the TV, like when it ended up being there really late. Yeah. And I'd sit there and I'd watch you singing, oh and it would be like, wow, many years later, we'd be here, seated that. together. Look and I think that. it's really good. But other than that, I actually can't recall like the first time we actually met wow. physically. Yeah, I don't think. I, was it um, the Korean fair? Yes, when I was doing the... <laughs> did you come to my house or did you come to K1? To K1. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's when we first met. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, so welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Very lovely to have you here. And when I was reading your letter, you started with, I can't believe that, you know, I've not done this yet. Is it something that you've ever thought about doing before? Um, I think in the context of um, a lot of people in the last few years have been talking about reparenting their inner child Mm -hmm. and so I've always thought about like if I was to to speak to the inner child that I think needs sort of like a shift in how she sees herself Mm -hmm. I've always just been thinking what age would I be but I'd never actually got into doing it yeah so this felt like okay finally here we are yeah <laughs> um doing this letter was kind of like a prompt into starting that journey of identifying mm-hmm. um, the inner child in me that kind of sort of experienced her first hurt or pain and yeah take it from there so okay. yeah mm-hmm. so before we get into it maybe we can first start by reading the letter <laughs> My very long letter. (laughs) Wow, this is going to be like an hour long. Dear Patricia, I can't believe I've never done this before, but I guess now is as good a time as ever. You're around nine years old, probably jumping off a tree or climbing up to the roof of a building right now, playing with boys in the mud and ruining another one of those beautiful dresses that mom or dad bought you. It's wild that I barely recognize you, yet at the same time, I know you so well. You're so bright and fearless and brave, almost reckless even, with your sense of adventure and courage. At this point in time, your best friend, Faith, will leave the country with her family. It'll be an incredibly lonely time and you will struggle to make other friends for a while. You'll be bullied and taunted for not having your BFF around. You'll struggle to fit in because no one quite gets you like she did. And despite this, I want to acknowledge your incredible creativity and brilliance. Your mind is a treasure trove of ideas and possibilities. You've nurtured so many gifts and let them blossom into a unique career that excites your soul. You will learn that you are a multi-potentialite and that despite the advice to pick one thing and stick with it, there's too much inside of you to fit just one path. Your passion for everything that interests you is vast and it's what has brought you here. It's something to be proud of. Speaking of pride, our family deserves a huge mention. They've been your unwavering pillars of support, haven't they? Their love, encouragement, craziness, and wonderful sense of humor have helped shape you 
into the person that you are today. As the years pass, I won't sugarcoat it. Things will get tough. Your confidence will be tested. Despite your accomplishments as a singer, an actress, a radio and TV presenter, a content creator, an improv comedian, an event curator, a host, and so much more, you will increasingly struggle with your confidence and self-belief, and you will burn out several times. It's because you'll be facing unknown battles with anxiety and or DHD. You'll come to find that the things about you that you believe to be broken are really just as a result of your brain working differently from what is considered normal. The self-doubt and imposter syndrome will be debilitating, and you will struggle to remember your achievements, or to give yourself a pat on the back for how you show up for others and in the world. Your inner critic will get loud, and in a number of moments, you will believe that voice. You will question your worth and your value, not because they don't exist, but because it's a challenge for your mind. But it's not a disorder, Wangishi. It's a divergence of being. And you will learn that there are many just like you who are figuring it out too, and doing amazing things, not despite it, but because of it. As you begin to understand this, know that you are not alone. You will find the support that you need, and you will overcome this, these hurdles. You'll find yourself in spaces and among people that once seemed beyond your wildest dreams. Your gifts and passion to use your voice will open doors that you never thought possible. Embrace these moments with humility and gratitude and the knowledge that you belong. The self-doubt will be hard to navigate, but you will, over and over, triumphantly. What a remarkable journey we're on, Wangishi. I feel so much gratitude for the brave, and fearless spirit that has always resided within you. You are such a spitfire. And despite the voices that tell you that your dreams are not worth chasing, you still have the audacity to dream anyway, to fight for those dreams, to create, and to figure things out on your own and with your community. And my goodness, have you done it brilliantly. Never forget that you are loved, cherished, and worthy of the love and success that comes your way. The world can't wait to witness your brilliance. So go forth with courage in your heart and the knowledge that the best is truly yet to come. So um, you take us back to nine-year-old Patricia, mm -hmm. who was a lot of a tomboy, not a bit, a lot of a tomboy. Yes. <laughs> um, and to me, it almost sounds, because you even say that right now, you know you're happy to be a woman and you really enjoy, you know, the whole process of just womanhood. Mm. Um, so to me, it sounds maybe like it was not wanting to be a boy, but more of seeing the things that boys were allowed to do at that point mm -hmm. and you weren't, do you think so? Yeah, and I think that didn't even come from my family. It came from you now what I would encounter out in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I was a tomboy, like, honestly, I, w I just used to think, man, if only I was born a boy, then nobody would be telling me, oh, don't do this, don't do that, mm -hmm. don't do this, oh, you know, girls are supposed to do this. Yeah. Um, and that story about peeing, <laughs> I think I was maybe like four years old, mm -hmm. and, and like, we're just playing outside in the, in the neighborhood, and then the boys like dug a hole and then they all decided to pee in it. Mm -hmm. I was the only girl, so of course I'm like, that's what we're doing. I yeah. Think. But now you know, I, there's no like just pulling out your jacket. Yeah. And yeah. Sweating. <laughs> and then um, Aleki, Alex, ran to tell my mom, Mama, Aleki, I'm like, bruv, Aleki, you brother. Just, no, some oh. kids, <laughs> Even someone random who had no business. Yeah, I feel like he set me up and then he ran to tell my mom and I'm like, weren't we just doing this together? Yeah. And then my mom was like, what are you doing? Like, and then she actually, she wanted to like beat me. My social was home that day. So yeah. thankfully she protected me. <laughs> but I just kept thinking like, dude, if, I was, if only I was a boy. Yeah. I wouldn't have to run home to use the bathroom. I wouldn't have to... No matter if you're wearing a dress, you don't have to. Mm, yeah. Mm. yeah. Do you know where Aleki is right now? Nope. 
<laughs> I like if you're watching this but chat. I wish him well. I hope wherever he is. Is those guys for writing his makers? Yeah. I don't tell you. <laughs> you, need, you need to reach out and apologize <laughs> to nine-year-old Patricia. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't know. When I think of when I was a child, I think I, was, I wasn't I was a tomboy, mm. but I was very, oh, this is what the boys are doing. And I mean, I guess thankfully, just like you, I don't think I was raised in a household where they were like, ah, uh-uh, this is for girls, this mm. is for boys. It was just, you know, yeah. whatever comes. Yeah. And... Um, as an adult right now, I can recognize how difficult it is to do things that are outside of the norm. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine how it is like, you know, for a nine-year-old to be against the grain all the time. Yeah, I think, I think at the time I didn't really, I didn't really, it didn't really affect me so much because my folks were also different, mm-hmm. you know, like people would share their experiences about, oh, me, my dad, and my mom, they're just so, but your, your folks are so cool. Yeah. You know, like, my mom would be in biker shorts mm-hmm. or, like, a short skirt. You know, my dad. Like, they, they were just a lot younger also than my schoolmates' parents, so mm-hmm. I think that just made them seem very liberal. Yeah. But I just, like, I remember one time even going to play outside, and, of course, I'm going to play outside I'm a tomboy, I'm either riding a bike or like, just, you know, so I'm dressing for convenience. Yeah. Never at once thinking anything sexual about how I'm dressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one day I was going out to play and I was wearing these shorts, which I think even my mom's aunt who gave me, she kept some shorts for herself and she was like, hey, when I have a daughter, I'll give her these shorts. Yeah. Um, they were like hot pants and a t-shirt, I'm going to play. But before I leave, um, the, the uh, nanny or the, the house girl was like, eh, Mangishi, you know you're going to cause your brothers to stumble. Eh? Why are you wearing ah. such things? Mimi at the time, I'm just like, huh? Not understanding. Like, I'm going to make my brothers stumble. Like, what do Jomo and CJ have to do? How are they going to fall? Like, yeah. I was just thinking, my brothers, how are they going to fall because I'm wearing shorts? Mm-hmm. And I think she just told me, yeah, you know, you shouldn't wear such things. So I went and I changed and I put on bigger shorts. But I felt so self-conscious that it took me a while to even go outside. Mm-hmm. And when my mom came home that evening, I was just like, hey, mom, you know, I don't remember her name, but I, I just said, you know, she auntie told me that I shouldn't wear such things because I'll make my brothers fall. And my mom was like, huh? She said, what? And she had a conversation with her and told her, you don't get to tell my yeah. kids what they can and can't do. Yeah. I'm the one who buys their clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it did feel like I, I, I'm always going to have my parents back, but the world is just like, kumbe, there are rules that I don't yeah. know about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then one thing leads to another, rather some time goes by and mm-hmm. your best friend, the one person who was, you know, really understanding you mm-hmm. moves yeah. to a different country. The family relocates. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like all this really affected you even up until, you know, later on when you were an adult when it came to making friends because afterwards you got bullied. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why did that one instance really affect you that much? I think, and you know, it's something I only realized maybe a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. like just how deeply it affected me. Um, my friend's faith like we were joined at the hip and we were just like we were always together and when her family had to move to SA mm-hmm. I guess that's when it became clear to me afterwards that oh Kumbe like our classmates had always felt like these two are so inseparable mm-hmm. like you know it's just them against the world and now that she wasn't there they were like uh-huh so no, now what? Oh, where's yeah. your friend mm, you guys used to feel like you know, you're cooler than everyone, yeah. which really, it, it just seemed like we'd just get lost in our own world. Mm-hmm. And we'd hang out even outside of school, you know? So we had like our own jokes and inside things. Like we were just so together. And, yeah. and afterwards that taunting like was just like, wait, but I've, I've never done anything to you guys, mm-hmm. you know? So guys would like isolate me, they would plan things on their own. Mm. Oh, Susie's having a party at her house, I'm not invited, that kind of stuff. So yeah. I remember um, one time we went for like a holiday camp to Naivasha, you know, mm. this camping. Yeah. Trip, yeah. And 
while we were there, I made friends with these two other girls. So at that camp, it wasn't class five, class seven, it was just all of us kids in this club, right? Um, and so when I came back to school and we opened school, I was just like, oh, at least I have, you know, at least two people who yeah. are cool with me. And then at break time, I would go to their class mm -hmm. to hang out with them. So we were in class five, they're in class seven. I was nine, so I think they were actually a lot older. Yeah. Because I was maybe two years younger than everybody in my class, and then they were in class seven, so maybe there was like three or four years difference. Yeah. And I remember maybe after a couple of weeks, because every day break time, I go, I carry my break with me and I share with them. And they sat me down and they're like, hey, Patricia, we, we can't hang out with you anymore. It doesn't look cool for us hmm. to be hanging out with like a younger kid because yeah. it looks like we're taking advantage of you. And I'm like, but you're not. Yeah. And we know that, like, see us, we're cool. Where does it matter what anyone thinks? Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, but it's just not a good look, so we can't hang out anymore. And I was just like, This, there was nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. Yeah. It just felt like something as to me at the time, like what other people think, which is not true, is what would make you make such a decision. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, ah, oh, maybe there's something wrong with me that yeah. I'm not seeing. <laughs> and Faith was the only one that got it. Mm -hmm. And now, if I don't have somebody like Faith in my life, or if she's like a rare breed, mm. then it just means that I might have to figure out what is wrong yeah. and then not do that so that I can be like accepted. Yeah, and try to fit in as mm. well. Mm. I think, okay, last season, the, the theme was therapy. I think everyone who came in was talking about therapy. Mm -hmm. And this time around, I think this is the fourth episode. Mm -hmm. and what like cuts across is how mean children are <laughs> so i think from this season parents need to teach their children how to be just kinder mm. to other people because mm. i mean for one you never know what the other person is going through at home yeah. and then even just something as minor as you know that yeah. being like oh now your friend is gone mm. so now who do you have so mm. now you have this innocent child who's done nothing who now feels alone in the world it's like grown-up problem yeah yeah um and i don't know if people caught it but um in your letter you did mention all these hats that you wear and you refer to yourself as a multi-potentialite, mm -hmm, yeah? Mm -hmm. um, what is a multi-potentialite? How did you come across the term and decide, you know what, this is fitting, this is what I am? Yeah. Um, so the phrase, I think I came across the phrase, again, maybe a couple of years ago. There's a lady who did a TED Talk. Mm -hmm. I don't remember her name. It might be like Emily Wapnick, or I hope so. Mm -hmm. um, but she's the first person I heard mention the term multi-potentialite. So, you know, before it was like, either you're a polymath or a multi-hyphenate, but when she said it, it kind of made sense because I've always believed that, it's not that I've reached the, okay, these are the things that I am interested in and yeah. that I do, but that there's always potential for me to get into another thing mm -hmm. as I grow and evolve. So there's always, like, I just keep adding things because even when I started my career, it was like, oh, I'm Patricia. I'm a singer. Yeah. Patricia, I'm an actress. And Patricia, I'm a radio presenter. Patricia. So they just kept adding. And yeah. I was like, oh, these are not things that I used to say, as a, I mean, aside from being a singer and actress, all these other things were not things I used to say as a child. Like, oh, I, when I grew up, I want to be this. Mm -hmm. It's just things that I have you kept discovering. Discovered, yeah, yeah along my yeah. journey. And, and I even used to say, you know, I might get into farming tomorrow. And <laughs> just like, love it so much. And that would be another thing that I add. And who knows, like, they just keep piling. piling. So that's the multi-potential, like, where you kind of, like, are stimulated and excited by multiple things. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they, they could, this discovery in others, these possibilities yeah. to find other things. And so I, I really love that phrase. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's what we I adopted it. Mm -hmm. um, so you're an actor a singer, mm -hmm. an improv comedian, mm -hmm. a content creator. Mm -hmm. uh, am I leaving anything out? Mm -hmm. Is there anything, <laughs> <laughs> is anything else I've left out? Mm, yeah, so there's like event curator yeah, as well. Yeah, event curator. I, like, I was, um, sort of, 
I figured that I learned that I was really good at like putting events together mm-hmm. that like tap into people's different interests and just like a very safe space. Yeah. Um, there's like TV, radio and TV presenter, uh, film and TV actress, and theater as well. Because mm-hmm. theater was actually musical theater was one of the first like facets of the creative industry that I entered. Um, music supervisor, which um, in the world of film and TV, it's sort of like figuring out what music goes into mm. like a film or a TV show. And currently, at the moment, I'm music supervisor for a podcast. Ah. Um, it's an American podcast, but the team is kind of like mm-hmm. all over. So, yeah, I try and also like throw in some yeah. Kenyan songs, some Kenyan artists in there. But it's it's an African American podcast on. African American history that I really love, and yeah. it blew my mind. Like who the executive producer is, mm-hmm. I'll share that later. But like, <laughs> but yeah, so music supervisor, and then event host and MC. I think for now, yeah. There. Sometimes I remember later. Oh, I forgot to say this, but yeah, it's like, still there. Mm-hmm. And I have to mention that you're actually really good at the like music supervision because I can't even tell from like your content. <laughs> it always has really unique, you know, music and sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, you're you're really good at that. Um, so how did it start? Um, what what came first? And how did it sort of snowball into everything else? I think I've always loved music mm-hmm. and music came first. Um, there was this group of kids that I listened to. My mom bought me the tapes when I was a kid after my dog died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we passed by TuneIn and um, bought All God's Children. They're called All God's Children. Yeah. And their age range was like from 5 to 17, 16. And there were kids in the US from like underprivileged backgrounds. And I heard them sing and I was like, what is this? Yeah. What is going on? And I was just like, if if those kids can be on a stage and sing so beautifully, ah, Sembuse Mimi? Yeah. Ah. And so, you know, like my interest in singing sort of grew from there. Because mm-hmm. I'd sing in school. Um, I was always excited to like teach, because we, we used to have this thing of when you have a parade um, in school, a class can also re- put a request to perform. Mm-hmm. So we'd be really excited, like in your class, you find a song that you like, you go teach your, your class, and then you sing it for yeah. the school. So it was always so cool. And then now when I discovered and got into this music, all God's children, a cappella children, I'd always have these unique songs that take you back to a class to, to present to the school. Yeah. And then I, you know, really enjoyed music, I enjoyed the music theory, so in school, like, getting those there, ta, 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 ta. I don't know if you guys did that. Ama kama tulifanya ata siwezi kumbuka. Sisi 844 yetu unafanya all the subjects, yeah. all of them, from science, woodwork, this was in craft. primary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I just knew, like, music was something that came easier to me, like, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. And then I go to high school, and of course I want to do music because yeah. now, you know, I've heard of Eric Wenaina, mm. he went to Berkeley School of Music, if I may want to go to Berkeley School of Music, you know, like, that's my goal. Only for um, the deputy head teacher in my high school, <laughs> she convinced my mom that I shouldn't do music because I was good in the sciences. Uh. And because, you know, that thing, at the time they used to fill a quota, like, certain number of students have to do physics. So yeah. the ones who performed well from you take physics, mm-hmm. chemistry, biology, and that cluster doesn't go with music. Music or art. Yeah. So my mom of course up until this point I was just like, even when my mom would come to school and entertain me. Mm-hmm. Only for her to come out of the meeting with Mrs. Buru <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I think she's right. I think yeah. we should do this. And now I get that, you know, it's at the time the arts were not seen as a career choice to yeah. follow here in this part of the world. Like, there was no guaranteed success. Mm-hmm. Um, not like how we would see the Mariah Carey's and the Brandies. And, yeah. you know, you see the musicians and they're like living successfully. So you think that's true for everybody. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was just like, my talent will, I have this talent for a reason. Yeah. So when my mom said that and I wasn't then let allowed to do music, I was just like, so maybe I'm not even that talented. Yeah. Like, 
you start doubting. Yeah, I was like maybe it it um, I w- maybe my singing was not that great. Mm-hmm. But then because I didn't have a passion for anything else, then I was just like, so what's the point? And then I was also taking technical drawing mm-hmm. as a subject because I really enjoyed it, the drawing and whatnot. Then the teacher who was teaching us in our school said he didn't feel like teaching girls anymore. It's more like a boy's subject because he also used to teach the guys at Sunshine. What? So he, yeah, the subject, he dropped it. So there was no technical drawing yeah. anymore. So I had to choose between home science and agriculture. And I was like, if anybody knows how averse I am to the kitchen, to mm. cooking, streaming, mm. so I was like, I guess agriculture is it. Because yeah. now that's the only one that also goes with the sciences. And my interest in, because I used to be such a good student, I was index three. Mm-hmm. And then I was either number one, number two, number three, number one, number two, number three in primary school. Yeah. High school, I just kind of like, Yeah. I was like, so what's the point? You're yeah. not enjoying any of it anymore. Mm. Mm. Do you have any other um, multi-potential lights that you look up to? Hmm. That is so interesting. I'm pretty sure I do, but right now my mind is drawing It's gone blind. blank, yeah. Um, but I do know that there's, there's certain people I've looked to and I'm like, yeah, if, if they can... You can as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, thank you for not making... I love that they were outwardly like, just winning mm-hmm. and I'm like they, I've been told all the time oh jack of all trades but master of none yeah and then you know there's that phrase Isha's there but there's like more the, yeah um so I always used to feel like it's okay I can be the jack of all trades if they can be the jack of all trades mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll remember it'll come to me um but yeah that's a good one okay and how do you plan your days or even weeks and months, because I mean, you have all this, you know, hats that you're wearing. Yeah. So how do you plan to make sure that nothing is falling through the cracks? Well, I have to say that this, as much as there's all these different things mm-hmm. that sort of like I, and all these facets to who I am, they're not always happening concurrently. Mm-hmm. So there's no like balancing. Okay, so all these seven, eight things are happening at, at the point, same time yeah. and like balance the time, you know. It's, you know, when there's an acting project, I'll work on that, whether it's two, three months. Mm-hmm. And then maybe, like, for, let me speak for now, for instance. There's a TV show that I'm working on, but also the podcast that I'm working on, and then content. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes a project will come and it's maybe a week long. Other times it's a year long. Yeah. And then you know, the YouTube will come back when it comes back, then mm-hmm. there'll be that, but then the podcast will not be going, or the TV show will be done. Mm-hmm. So it's like they happen when they happen. Seasons of everything. Exactly, seasons of... So it's not necessarily finding a balance, but just harmony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's like a harmonious melody yeah. of life. <laughs> <laughs> and but, I, but I do... But I do still feel like I need to learn also just how not to take too much on at the same time because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I find myself just like burnt out because of not knowing what to mm-hmm. say. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And you mentioned um, also your confidence, like lack of self-confidence kidogo and even um, just getting fatigued through everything, mm-hmm. which later on you accounted to having ADHD mm-hmm. and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So how did you get diagnosed with this and how did it affect you? So I think at some point in my adulthood, I started to suspect that, okay, as much as subconsciously I know something is not right, something wrong with me, but then I was just like, this, this other side of things where these struggles, surely, it's not just me, it's yeah. not my personality. Um, and I remember talking to a friend about it, and she was like, maybe you should talk to someone. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I thought it was ADHD, but only because of my, my challenges and kind of like focusing mm-hmm. or getting things done or you know, like struggling with multitasking, like all these things happening at the same time and getting distracted. I thought that was all ADHD had to do with. So mm-hmm. I just suspected, oh, maybe I have ADHD, but 
also a lot of what I knew is what we got from the media, you know, what you see in the movies or yeah. what is represented, like, you know, little kids just running, little boys actually, just running around, hyper, all over the place, loud, super distracted. So I attributed some of the traits that I was struggling with mm -hmm. to that. Um, but then, and at the time also it was manageable. It's like, but, but I, I'm surviving, I'm okay. Yeah. Because I'm doing all these things, so I'm cool. Can't be that bad. Then the pandemic happened. Um, 2020 was, you know, the year that it was. There was a lot of content creation work that came. And then there was also like a business venture at the time as well. And, you know, it was, things were still moving, but I was, I just thought it's part of my life to be tired all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then as, as the year progressed towards the end of the year, I was just like, I, I can't, I don't know what it means to turn off. Like when people talk about vacations, even when I'm on vacation, it's still working or my brain is still like racing. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the year, um, we lost a family member. That was in December, and then ex like exactly a month later, um, another family member passed away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't know that I've ever mourned that, and it's still something that like I'm <laughs> trying to work through. But I do know that it really affected me deeply. And then, so the beginning of 2021, you know, comes with like new things like the YouTube thing, um, the Black Voices Fund class, and then TV show, this business adventure, just multiple things. And for the next three months, while having dealt with the loss in my family and not dealing with that really, mm -hmm. um, and then just working on these things, like it felt like I was running myself to the ground. Yeah, so I think in March of that year, I burnt out, like I crashed, mm -hmm. crashed, like I just couldn't move forward, I was debilitated and that's when I felt like it was time to seek professional help and I reached out to a friend of mine who used to speak about his challenges on Twitter quite openly and he would share a lot of stuff that also gave me a lot of insight into mm -hmm. what I was struggling with. and. So he found, like, he doesn't live here, but he helped me with some recommendations of a doctor here. And the first doctor that I went to see, I think in the first 10 minutes, they were like, oh, yeah, 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 textbook, textbook mm -hmm. ADHD. And I was just like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, and so I started my journey <laughs> into sort of like managing or figuring out what this meant. Yeah. Um, and it was it was kind of weird because initially I felt like a very deep sadness of like, wait, so this, you're saying that this is textbook, it's something that I've probably struggled with my entire life. Yeah, without But knowing. my struggles, because, and this is now something I'm figuring out for myself, is that because we use the same language in describing things, oh, you know, I struggle with procrastination, and you can say, yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. But what I struggle with, the procrastination doesn't look like, yeah. like yours, right? So mine is like, almost like a paralysis. And it's not procrastination on things that I don't want to do, but it's genuinely things that I want to do, but I can't find any ounce of strength or willpower to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But because we're using the same language, so you're like, say, yeah, you're yeah, no me, I do procrastination, but have you tried this? Me, I just do this and da, 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 da. So can you imagine an entire lifetime of everybody's figured out how to deal with these things that we all deal with, mm -hmm. except me. Yeah. So I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. It's me. So here's this doctor telling me, no, actually, it's a legitimate struggle, and this is how it affects um, your life. Mm -hmm. And I just felt a deep sadness of, so you mean if I'd have known this earlier? Mm -hmm maybe I wouldn't have dealt with all the guilt and shame of thinking this is, you're just, you just don't get it. Yeah. And then, then anger. I was just like, man, what the hell? <laughs> 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 it's so unfair. <laughs> um, 
Um, and then I started like the treatment, like um, started taking medication just to sort of like figure out what would help. And then I, I went back after two weeks and we talked through some things that I had shared in the first session. And then there she then was like, okay, so I'm also confirming that, you know, you're struggling with an anxiety. Mm-hmm. And because of those two things, every time you've, you've said you're experiencing burnout, it was actually depression. Mm. And this is as a result of the struggles that you have with this. So for a lot of people, they may be moving through life thinking that depression is the thing that they struggle with. But nobody has ever examined like, oh wait, but how do you manage life and realize that it could be that you're struggling with, your brain is a bit different, Mm -hmm. but because the world works in a very nine to five, productivity is, our brains kind of just like, it's like a different operating system. Mm, Yeah, yeah. So we then started treatment for the depression that I guess I was dealing with at the time. And thankfully, that once you start to mitigate the, okay, treat this anxiety and ADHD, then all the depression mm, kind of yeah. lifts. So it was a lot of, it was, I learned quite a lot. And then because of my nature, I research a lot. So it's like, okay, so now I have this diagnosis. Yeah. Let me learn all I can about it. And the things that I've been learning since then, even now I'm still learning new things because when it comes to the world of mental health and wellness, the research continues. Mm. So what was true maybe 10, even five years ago, it's constantly shifting. Yeah. Um, and so I'm still learning new things about how to manage. There's the stigma around medication. Yeah. Connie, do you have to take pills? Mm. Maybe you can try. Have you tried? And I think I had that internalized in me as well. Because even with the current doctor that I, I have right now, <laughs> I love that he kind of like takes me very pole pole. So when I'm telling him, hey, can we reduce the do? I think maybe I'm ready to reduce. Yeah. Because I don't want to be dependent. He's like, you know, the research that you're reading is very America based or this, and the dosages there are so high. So let's just concentrate on helping you manage your day to day. But don't don't carry the stigma of. Um, what's it called, dependency. And one of the ways I, I speak to myself about it is, you know, you wouldn't tell somebody with asthma, mm. you know. Hey, Stop using your inhaler. You're not going to be dependent on your inhaler. Mm. Mm. Or like diabetes. Yeah. Hey, do you really need like insulin? Have you tried? And sure, there's like different modalities to treat whatever it is that you are um, struggling with, but I think that helps me to just like take it easy yeah and also know that i mean i can also be in charge of my own care mm-hmm. so my doctor really listens to me and when i say i think i want to take a break from this and just see and then i'm always just researching like what food can i take to also help with this what supplements can i take to mm-hmm. help with this but really just i think i've come to terms with it now the yeah. anger and the sadness kind of like dissipated um and now it's just taking things at the other time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What sort of systems would you say that you've put in place to help you manage, you know, with the anxiety and the ADHD? Mm. Um, well, let me first like say, I haven't figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still like a, it's, it's an ever evolving thing. Um, but for me, sleep is one of the things I've come to realize. I have to be very precious mm-hmm. about my sleep. So anything that comes in the way of good sleep, I kind of just like try and eliminate, right? So currently what that looks like is trying to get into bed at the same time every day, um, not carrying work into bed. I'm very good at sitting with my gadgets and just saying, okay, but because I enjoy work, it's okay to do it even at midnight, Mm -hmm. but to set boundaries on like when I work so that my brain can start to like shut down. Um, at the moment, uh, I'm on a break from alcohol, mm-hmm. um, just like, just on a break, just to kind of like give myself some time to see how optimized I can be if I take out some things that 
come in the way of things. I've got some supplements that I've found that are really helpful in just relaxing the body. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to, I've found that I like like sounds playing in the background. They help to push my racing thoughts to the back. So whether it's a podcast or sleep stories or um, just soothing droning sounds, they mm-hmm. put me to sleep. Um, another thing I recently tried out, because I try. Some people were talking about like taping your mouth when you sleep so that your mouth is closed throughout the night because mm-hmm. apparently if you breathe through your nose and your mouth simultaneously you're not really getting the benefits of the oxygen that you're inhaling especially at night so you, you like masking tape no 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 <laughs> <laughs> look I, at, the t- at the time i was just like open to try right yeah. i'm open to try and i do a lot of research so of course i found the people who are just like mm, also no yeah. but there's people who said oh it's really shifted things for me so i was like i yeah, I'm going to start looking for mouth tape for the night, mm. and I found I have boob tape in the house. So I was like, ah, since it's made for skin, let mm. me try. The first night I taped my mouth like I'm being kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> but I did sleep through the night deeply, and I woke up for the first time in a very long time with a clear head. Mm. I was like, wow. And so now I've kind of like figured it out. I just cut it like a small strip and just put it like mm. across. It's not to like force your mouth shut, yeah. but just to keep your mouth closed throughout the night. Hey, the way I am, I think I'd wake up one night panicking, like, oh my that's God, what I thought, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought yeah. I'd, I'd wake up feeling like I'm being suffocated, but what I've found is that it's, because before I always also used to feel like one nostril is always blocked, or mm-hmm. like, if I can't breathe clearly through both of them, yeah. and I found that this practice has sort of like helped to clear mm-hmm. that um i've read for some people it's even changed the shape of their face and i'm just like yeah. wow um but for me I've, I've i feel a benefit it's mm-hmm. not something that i'm telling guys oh my god god do this yeah. for me you've you've felt it i'm feeling a benefit i do sleep fa- i fall asleep faster mm-hmm. i sleep through the night I also used to struggle with sometimes I wake up at like four or five then I can't go back to sleep mm. so I still wake up tired now I sleep through the night and when I wake up it's like I'm still snoozing but it's not as bad as it used to be yeah um, and it's more restful because there was a time I was really struggling I'm sleeping seven eight hours a night I wake up in the morning you're tired I'm feeling like Kwani, am I a night runner and I don't know. <laughs> Um, so it's restful sleep. So sleep for me is a big thing at the moment. Yeah. And then just an awareness of my emotions because when it comes to ADHD, it's not just about attention. And it's not a deficit of attention, but rather an excess of attention and not knowing where to direct it. So that's mm. why a lot of people struggle with. I'm doing this, but then this and this. And, you know, feeling like everything is urgent at the same time your executive function is impaired so mm-hmm. a lot of people struggle with executive dysfunction which is just not being able to plan and prioritize your day and to like finish tasks yeah or even to start tasks some people have this paralysis in the morning where you wake up but you feel like you have no energy not only to get out of bed but even to start thinking about the day yeah you know um this emotional dysregulation that comes with ADHD. So for a lot of people also, whew, you'll find somebody, it's like, why, why are you so mad? Or why are you so sad? Or why has that bugged you so much? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, it's like, it's something so small, but just that regulation of your emotions. Um, there's this thing called rejection sensitive dysphoria, where people, a lot of people struggle with perceived rejection. Mm-hmm. And I learned that <laughs> what I think rejection feels like which for me can also be physical pain, or mm-hmm. physical discomfort. For other people, because it's just mental, it's like, oh man, I would, like, they don't want me or yeah. that job. Now, for, for a lot of people who struggle with neurodivergence or neurospicy brains, as people like to call them, it's also just anything can be perceived as rejection. Um, and I see how that then impacted my self-confidence because mm-hmm. I've done a campaign well, it went so great. But because I'm scared of, like, if I reach out to work with them again, they may say no. Mm. So if they don't come back to say it was great, we want to work together again. You're like, it was like, failed. And, and yes, I just think they must have thought it was a bad job. 
So I must just not be who I must I, I must not it just might, must not be that great, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So coming to a re- realization that there's nothing in my life that I've ever done that I've just been like that was so dope, you know, or like to look back and be like that was amazing. Not to take away from the things that I've enjoyed doing, like I've enjoyed in the midst of doing them, I'm having the best time. Mm-hmm. But again, I think I spoke about it, like depending on others for my sense of self, just that hypervigilance of, okay, are they happy? Okay, yeah. maybe it was okay. Are they mad? Oh, okay, I must have made them mad and I must have upset them because of this or <laughs> they've done this with everybody but me, I must. So now stopping and just being like, no, actually, I get to decide for myself what I think of myself. Mm-hmm and I'm not responsible for other people's emotions. So a lot of people with ADHD, autism, or ASD as it's called nowadays, a lot of people who struggle with these neurodivergences um, really struggle with their sense of self and identity, and, yeah. and, and that affects them in that way. So mm-hmm. it's just an awareness. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you sound like you're also really grateful when it comes to family. Mm-hmm. And they're like really an integral part of who you are. Like even for the improv comedy, you're like, you know what? He human may talk home. Yeah, so tell us a bit about like your family and how the relationship is back at home. Um, my family are just so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I've always thought this from when I was a kid. Like I just like I was just so happy to have the parents that I I did and do. Um, and a big part of that is you know, they weren't like the normal kind of parents and, and that extends into my ex- extended family as well. So they're very supportive. Um, my mom, any show I've ever put up, whether it's my own, like Life in the Single Lane or BYSS, because mm-hmm. you said so, the improv comedy thing that I do with my friends, my mom will never accept a complimentary. Like, she'll always be the first person to buy a ticket. Mm-hmm. Like, when we go to look at the stats, her name is the first one. Yeah. Then, like, you know, my aunt, like, Aunt Shish. Like, the family is just, like, super supportive. And they also have their own brand of humor. Let me speak to the ones on my mom's side. They're just funny, inappropriate, hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just feels like... Like, they're so cool. Yeah. They're so, so cool. And even on my dad's side of the family as well, because I think I was much closer with my dad's side of the family growing up. And even then, like, they're just so cool. My aunt, um, my, my dad's sister, like, I used to spend so much time with her. Um, my grandparents. I just thought, I just thought everybody was cool. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've, I've, I've grown up with family that kind of allowed, in fact, encouraged. It's like it was normal to not be normal in my family. Yeah. And that's why I think for me, I'd always felt like as long as I have my one friend or as long as my folks are behind me, it doesn't matter what the world says, mm-hmm. me, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, until adulting now. Yeah. Spend more time out in the world so the world has a bigger effect on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you and your mom really do look like twins. a lot. <laughs> You guys look like literal sisters. Actually, twin sisters, twins. That yeah. one is twins. You guys look a lot alike. We're very similar. Yeah. Um, from my young age, even like I remember, her mom's boss would call home. If I pick up, sometimes he would just start talking, thinking mm. it's her. Yeah. So we, we also sound very similar. Mm, okay. And um, up you like you mentioned, you had your best friend. You know that one person who was who really had your back, and then also your family as well. Um, thinking back at it, do you um, can you remember anyone else who you leaned on for support? And now that you're older, what are some things that you basically look at? You know, when you meet someone and you're like, you know what, I, I like you. Maybe I should hold on to this one a bit longer. Um, I think right now, because it's it also feels like a transition time in my life. Because again, especially when it comes to mental wellness these discoveries that you make mm-hmm. all the time. You asked about tools. Tools is I'm also always reading and learning. And with that, just means new discoveries every mm-hmm. day and new perspective shifts. So I think into adulthood, I started to make some core friends and 
think as also as you grow up, and especially as a woman, because also how these mental health challenges, how they show up in boys and girls is very different. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of women, they, they end up getting their diagnosis of something a lot later in life because it was missed as a child mm -hmm. because they're looking for the symptoms that are in boys, they're not looking the same mm -hmm. in girls. Mm -hmm. So I think as I was getting older and older, the struggles just started to like add up. And I think I really struggled with, like I'm a very sociable person, but recognizing now also, I'll go out, but I go by myself mm -hmm. so that I can live when I want. So I had like very few key people in my life, but even growing older, there were challenges in those friendships that I recognize now as, oh, this is how this showed up, this is how anxiety showed up. And it made it very difficult to maintain some friendships. Mm -hmm. So I would say the key people, um, I don't know, like, I, I can count on my hand, like, my, my key, key friends. Um, and right now, you know, still the same, like a very core yeah. support system. And these have been sustained for maybe the last five, ten years, let's say ten. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, these new realizations is like, okay, the friendship is going to have to like shift a little bit because this is coming forth. And as I deal with it, a shift. Yeah. So I'm still in a space where I do struggle making new friendships. Mm -hmm. I'm very guarded. I, I feel confident in the ones that I have, and I'm really trying to fight for them. Like th those are the core ones. Yeah. But I'm also recognizing in a way in myself that I, these people who I meet and they want to be my friend, and I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, you're cool. But I see myself putting up my walls, mm -hmm. and so I'm working on those things now, just to, so that I can lean into these beautiful friendships because they can be beautiful yeah but i'm glad that okay now i'm realizing why i'm being so guarded mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah and you mentioned having a difficult time um you know recognizing your achievements mm -hmm. so now that you're older what are some of the things that you know you can give yourself a pat in the back and be like you did that <laughs> what are you most proud of um <laughs> <laughs> give yourself your flowers <laughs> yes yes i think what well, it's rooted in like this really deep love i have for the kenyan arts mm -hmm. i've always thought kenyan artists are dope like kenyan music is amazing kenyan films kenyan tv literatures fashion you know so i think the things that were born out of that like the radio show afro central mm -hmm. where so many artists who are now like getting who are now just like thriving mm. i'm so glad like i got to be the first person to play them on radio or to put people on to like check these guys out or check yeah. these guys out so that radio show i'm super proud of that i'm proud of this show that i did called life in the single lane mm -hmm. in fact it's next month it's going to be 10 years since i did the first one and it was kind of like an experiment and kind of mixed the things that i love which yeah. is singing acting and sort of like an improv comedy call and response with the audience that was something else and every time i've done it it's sold out mm -hmm. the last time i did it was 2019 just before the pandemic in november sold out yeah um and people still are like oh when is it coming back and i loved how people would see themselves in like the things i was representing on stage so i'm super proud of that yeah because yeah that was cool um i'm proud of <laughs> speaker box mm -hmm. um, which was a really really dope weekly event also born out of this love for kenyan musicians and sort of i'd get people asking okay these are such dope artists you play on your show but where can we watch them like, yeah. shows where they are. so speaker box was born out of that here come watch them interact with them mm -hmm. and then it also evolved into not just musicians but a speaker session with innovators in the creative arts, mm -hmm. so speaking to people like Akinamoto Amazeka, Mudani um, DQ, um, people just doing amazing things in Kenya. People would have a chat. So I think I'm just so proud of what Speakerbox was in terms of curating a space for Kenyan dopeness. Um, 
I'm proud of you know, my Instagram <laughs> and YouTube. I think I didn't see it then, like, you know, just, I loved it and I put so much passion into it and mm-hmm. I think I created dope stuff there. So I think I'm really proud of it and I think working through the self-doubt to come back and continue. Yeah. Um, so the things I've created, the work I've done, this podcast I'm working on, um, the fact that people come to my page to discover Kenyan brands. Yeah. Like I love, I'm, I'm proud of myself for that. Like, like, yeah, just creating one part of storytelling that allows people to see just how dope we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we hear the podcast, we also like to say that we are proud of you. Thank um, you. Before you came in, I discovered that our little machine there has like an applause button. So this, this would have been the right time to use it, guys. They were like, no, you can't use it. <laughs> Did you recognize what I'm wearing on my head? <laughs> this is Bosch drip. Yeah, I did. Like, the minute you entered. And then I was like, you know, Nikitenge, so maybe Nikitenge a place. And then I'll be here. But even when I was picking my outfit for today, yeah. I knew that you like dressing in like African, African prints. So I was like, I have to also put on something. Oh, yeah. But never match Kidogo. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm so intentional. Everything is Kenyan. Mm. Shoes, bag, like everything. Yeah. I brought, yeah. Um, what is currently bringing you joy? What are you currently dreaming of? Hmm. I think the thing that's bringing me joy right now is <laughs> just, it feels like for me, my world has opened up again because I kind of had a breakthrough transformation a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. um, just around all the stories that I've told and created throughout my life about myself yeah. and who I am and I had a breakthrough about it and realized okay cool so it's great that I knew all this stuff I researched nini, 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 but what do I do with it now mm-hmm. I can actually just let it go and create a new version of myself where I rely on myself for my own validation mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what's bringing me joy. Like every day, seeing myself handle challenges or situations in a different way than I would have, say, even two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so what that has done is that it's just infused a new joy and excitement into everything I want to do, whether it's content, whether it's my work in TV or just showing up in the world. That's what's bringing me joy. So yeah. now when I'm working, I'm just like, excited when I'm planning things and just excited so everything feels joyous but there's still the underside of like oh so in this this is the part I have to mourn mm-hmm. this version of myself that has done well to get me to where I am but I need to shed that now to move further so yeah it's joyous but also bittersweet but it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we heard from, or rather you wrote to nine-year-old Patricia, mm-hmm. and we normally do a sort of time capsule situation where now you get to write to 47-year-old Patricia, and not really write, rather leave her, leave, <laughs> leave her a message. Mm. So yeah, you can take a couple of seconds, think about what you'd like to tell um, 47-year-old Patricia. 47? Yes. That's... That's just like just over nine years yeah. from now. Mm-hmm. And then when you're ready, you can go ahead and leave her a message. Hi, 47 year old Patricia Wangeshi Kihoro. And who knows, maybe we have a different surname. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure, like, where you're at, you're looking back at where I am now and just nodding your head and laughing at how much we've gone through and like how. I'm thinking this space is like, oh my God. So I'm sure you're just looking back and laughing and just seeing like, don't worry, you'll, you'll get through this. So I just want to say to you, thank you for pushing through this season because I know that we do. And thank you for doing the work to allow us to show up in the world in our most authentic self because We've been surviving, <laughs> but now we get to like live and thrive. So thank you, thank you for, for doing the work, thank you for um, still dreaming, still being curious, for still being optimistic, and still knowing that joy is available to us. 
and thank you for believing that we deserve to be happy. Um, so it's just a thank you. And I hope, I don't know if we'll ever get to meet. Maybe when we invent time travel, we'll meet. But <laughs> I'm just so excited um, to discover what it is that you're doing now at 47. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> you're probably, is she the first female to end her letter to herself? Rather, her message to herself with, I love you. I love you. Yeah, I think most guys. Yeah. Most guys I, I, yeah, I think you mentioned that to Georgie. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I found that very interesting. But it's true. Like, do you, how often do you say you love? Like, Me? I love, yeah. And not in the mirror, not the affirmations and anything, but like, I actually don't think I have ever really? said, I love, I love me. Wow. That is, I love me. I'm saying it now. <laughs> yeah. And we love you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you. Like, for real. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. It like, was a really, really nice episode. Learned a lot about you as well. And I can't wait to see, you know, your name on many more things. <laughs> that you discover through the years and for you guys at home thank you so much for watching i will see you guys on the next one bye me i'm not ready to say bye yet (laughs) i want a message for you tell me i think like this is such a deeply healing thing like i've just been like watching different episodes i saw ayoma like Mm -hmm. getting you in tears but like (laughs) but it's true and i was just when she was saying that i was like yeah this it's so true like Mm -hmm. um this is such a beautiful pl- it's not just a podcast it's not just another idea that like it's, it's a cool idea like but it's a deeply healing um avenue mm-hmm. for people and and i just want to say like thanks for believing in yourself thanks for being confident mm-hmm. and sort of also showing us even though there's a 10 year difference between us yeah. i do look up to you you know and so i just want to affirm you and just tell you like you're so dope thank you um, i'm so glad to exist in the same time as you and to live in kenya at the same time as you and to be kenyan like you and yeah thank you so much yeah hey man learning me this shit like not again but when you enjoy it and your skin is popping thank wow. you thank you mind you and then you won't go out as you might laros asante Alright, I'll see you guys next time. Bye.